This fall, L.L. Bean wants to help you get outfitted for all that's out there with tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Here's a tip to help you stay comfortable when camping in cold weather. Before bed, boil some water, pour it into your water bottle, and stick it into the foot of your sleeping bag. The heat will radiate out, giving you toasty toes and a comfy night's sleep. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Picture yourself hiking just north of the Mississippi River. Your feet sink down into wetland habitat. The spring weather is breaking. It's cool but pleasant, and towering alder trees can be seen scattered across the landscape. Dusk is approaching, and the sun is sinking down to the skyline, turning a dark yellow hue as the clouds reflect shades of pink and orange. You hear something in the distance, Coming from your left periphery, a mass soaring through the sky catches your attention. It's fluid and dynamic and starts to take up the whole sky. It seems never-ending. It starts to get loud. Darkness suddenly falls as it passes northward, covering the setting sun. It's a flock of birds. Your eyes almost can't believe what they're seeing. Hundreds of thousands of birds effortlessly moving in unison, not packed too tightly together, but fast. Ten minutes pass, then twenty, then thirty. The birds just keep coming. Is it something out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie? Not quite. It's a flock of passenger pigeons. And even scarier than a Hitchcock film, this species, once touted as the world's most abundant bird, would go extinct. The last known remaining member, a female named Martha, died in 1914. Human activity had driven multiple once bountiful species to extinction by the middle of the 20th century. The loss of the passenger pigeon wasn't an isolated event. The last surviving Carolina parakeet, the only parrot species native to the United States, died in 1918. The year 1941 marked the last record of the Xerxes blue butterfly. The sea mink was gone before scientists even got the opportunity to study it. Others like the bison, an iconic American species, were teetering on the brink. Species and population declines persisted despite the existence of several federal laws, including the Lacey Act, Migratory Bird Conservation Act, and the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. A heavier-hitting piece of legislation was needed, and thus the Endangered Species Preservation Act came to be in October of 1966. Aimed at conserving, protecting, and restoring select species of native fish and wildlife, the act and its purpose soon outgrew itself, and by 1969 was replaced with the Endangered Species Conservation Act. But President Nixon 
wasn't satisfied. He called for even more comprehensive legislation, signing into law one of the nation's and world's most significant and strongest environmental laws. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, the United States Endangered Species Act. Now nearly 50 years old, the Endangered Species Act remains a gold standard for wildlife conservation. It's credited with saving numerous species through its listing and recovery plan process. Today, we'll cover three species with comeback stories driven by the ESA, one by land, one by sea, and one by air. Here's Abigail. If you've ever been to the Channel Islands National Park off the coast of Southern California, chances are you've heard of our first pick. The island fox is a small fox species in North America, weighing in at only two to six pounds. The species is found on six of the eight Channel Islands. Populations from each are recognized as their own unique subspecies. Adaptation is particularly important on islands because they act as a closed system, requiring that ecological balance is maintained. It was obvious that this balance had been disrupted in the 1990s when island fox populations started crashing. The island fox population on San Miguel Island decreased from 450 adults in 1994 to 15 in 1999. The 2,000 adults living on Santa Cruz Island in 1994 fell to less than 135 in 2000. Individuals were quickly brought into captivity in an attempt to save them while researchers tried to figure out what was causing the loss. Turns out it was a perfect storm of ecosystem imbalances that finally came to a head. It wasn't the first time that an iconic animal in the area was losing ground. The bald eagle was once bountiful, eating fish and nesting in prime breeding habitat. Unfortunately, human persecution and the use of the pesticide DDT had caused their rapid decline in the 1950s and 60s. The loss of the bald eagle meant that another similar species could move in. Enter the golden eagle one of the best-known birds of prey. Unlike the bald eagle, fish weren't its preferred meal. But the Channel Island had a solution for that, a booming population of kit foxes and feral pigs. The Channel Islands had been dealing with the impacts of invasive species for decades. Bison were brought in as part of a Western movie set in 1924 and were left, while feral pigs had been introduced in the 1850s as a domestic farm animal. Feral pigs can wreak havoc. Over time, they had degraded island fox habitat and diminished their food supply. In the case of the Channel Islands, the pigs were sustaining the golden eagle population. However, this also put a target on the backs of island foxes because as the golden eagle population grew, it was inevitable that island foxes would also be targeted as a prey item. 
being that the island fox was the largest native terrestrial species on the island, it did not have any predators. It therefore lacked adaptations and behaviors to minimize its chances of becoming a golden eagle's next meal. The National Park Service knew that protecting the islands meant that the pigs had to go. Eradication began in the early 1990s and was largely successful. While an overall win for preserving biodiversity, it ended up being a big problem for the island fox. It was thought that the golden eagle would leave the area because its preferred food source was gone. But all they did was switch up the menu, causing the island fox to be literally eaten to near extinction. The National Park Service responded by removing 44 golden eagles and 10 eaglets from the Channel Islands to the California mainland between 1990 to 2006, giving island fox populations a chance to recover. An island fox recovery program that included captive breeding and reintroduction of the species was also implemented. In addition, the San Miguel Island Fox, Santa Cruz Island Fox, and Santa Rosa Island Fox were listed in the Endangered Species Act in March of 2004, providing them with additional protections to help facilitate population growth. Under the act, the taking of the species or its parts is expressly forbidden, and harassing, harming, or killing an island fox came with a hefty federal fine and jail time. These efforts afforded a quick growth in population of the species, and it was delisted from the Endangered Species Act in September 2016, having made a full recovery. We'll be back in a moment, but first, a quick break for a message from our favorite place to search for the best campground for your national park adventures, Campendium. Campendium lists virtually every campground in North America and every type of campsite you can imagine. From remote backcountry tent sites to RV parks with water slides and pickleball courts, you can search by price, including free or by cell service, elevation, whether pets are allowed. Dozens of different search filters will bring you detailed user reviews so you can find the best campsite for your trip. Campendium is free at campendium.com or on the app, and you can upgrade to a RoadPass Pro membership to unlock an ad-free experience with more detailed cell service reports, public land map overlays, trail maps, and more. A RoadPass Pro membership also includes other premium apps like Togo RV and Road Trippers. Visit Campendium.com or download the app today and save $10 off a RoadPass Pro membership with code RVMILES10X. While numerous species have recovered under the ESA, the island fox was particularly fast, having only been listed for 12 years. Other species can take decades, if not longer. In fact, only 2% of those listed in the Endangered Species Act have been delisted, but that's largely due to the sheer amount of time it takes for populations to recover. Remember, the ESA is only 50 years old. Listed species are regularly monitored to determine their status. In some cases, there are species that shouldn't have been listed in the first place and are subsequently removed. But typically, they're delisted based on whether or not they have achieved recovery. Several factors are considered, including threat status, population size, population growth, and habitat quality along with quantity. 
Our next success story is in the seas, and it's quite literally a big one. The humpback whale is a migratory species weighing in at some 30 to 50 tons. As a baleen whale, it filter feeds krill, small fish, and plankton. Its active behaviors displayed at the water's surface, like breaching, has made recreational activities like whale watching extremely popular. But the humpback whale has been popular for other reasons. Whale meat, blubber, and oil were once well-sought-after resources. Commercial whaling was a booming business from the 1700s to the mid-1900s. Commercial whaling drove the humpback whale down to a mere 1,200 individuals in 1966. It was initially listed in the Endangered Species Conservation Act in 1970 and then was moved over to the Endangered Species Act upon its inception in 1973. Marine species can be challenging to assess and study. The status of humpback whales wasn't well known through the decades, but more intensive studies by the International Whaling Commission and the National Marine Fisheries Service in the mid-2000s provided some promising news. Humpbacks may be doing better than we thought. In April 2015, it was proposed that the ESA listing for humpback whales be divided into 14 distinct population segments. After assessment, a second revision was called for in October 2016, where of the 14, only four were considered endangered, one was considered threatened, and the other nine had reached recovery status and could be delisted. As of January 2019, 85 species have been delisted. Most were due to recovery, but others were due to a discovery of a new population, which increased their numbers, or extinction, or errors that occurred during the listing process. 25 species have been downlisted from endangered to vulnerable. A lot of focus is put on animals, but plants benefit as well. The Maguire primrose is one such example. This species is found only in Utah's Logan Canyon, along crevices and rock faces. It stands at two to four inches high with shallow roots, making it highly susceptible to destruction by rock climbers. It was also threatened by the Federal Highway Administration Project, but its listing required a workaround, which was successful. Now, taking to the skies, we discuss a success story you may be familiar with, the bald eagle. As we mentioned with the island fox, bald eagles were on the rapid decline in the 1950s and 60s. The loss of breeding pairs seen on the Channel Islands was not unusual. Bald eagles were losing ground across the lower 48 states. A variety of factors such as human persecution and habitat loss were to blame. But it was the use of the pesticide DDT that severely affected the bald eagle population. DDT was used as an insecticide and played an important role during the second half of World War II to limit the spread of insect-borne disease among civilians and troops. It became available for public sale in the United States in 1945, but there were concerns over the environmental and health risks of its use even then. 
DDT was correlated with species loss and cancer rates in several different instances. The chemical DDT breaks down into two products, DDE and DDD. These products cause eggshell thinning by disrupting the transport of calcium carbonate from blood to the egg gland. Birds of prey were considered most at risk because of biomagnification. While DDT was not fatal to the eagle itself, it caused them to be sterile or to lay eggs that could not withstand the weight of a nesting adult. The bald eagle at the time was already protected by the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act approved in 1940. Regardless, fewer than 500 breeding pairs existed by 1963. The bald eagle was listed as endangered under the Endangered Species Preservation Act in 1967, which then transitioned to the Endangered Species Act. DDT was finally banned in the United States in 1972 after a series of hearings held by the Environmental Protection Agency came to the conclusion that chemical was indeed dangerous. Some exemptions for its use remained, but they were few and far between. The ban of DDT and the additional protections afforded under the ESA allowed the eagle population to rebound and thrive. It was estimated that the number of bald eagles jumped to 115,000 by 1992. Its remarkable recovery caused it to be downlisted in 1995 to threatened, and in 2007, it was officially delisted. The species is still protected by the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. This prohibits anyone from killing, harassing, or harming bald eagles. It is also illegal to take, possess, sell, purchase, import, or export any bald eagle parts, such as an egg, a nest, or a feather. Despite its success, the case of the bald eagle brings to light one of the top criticisms against the ESA. It's true effectiveness. Some critics have claimed that the ESA has only a marginal impact on species recovery. Rather, other factors that occur at similar times are more likely responsible. For example, how much of a role did the ESA play in the success of the bald eagle by listing it in 1967 versus the banning of DDT in 1972? The unfortunate reality is that many species succumb to extinction despite being listed, largely because their listing came too late. The time and money required to determine if a species is endangered is no match to the rapid rate of loss for some wildlife. As of 2019, four species have been confirmed extinct, with another 22 possibly extinct. A species can be listed under an emergency listing to get immediate but temporary protection. However, this only lasts 240 days and can't be extended. Regardless of criticisms, there are ample lines of evidence showing that the ESA has stabilized populations and that most listed species meet their recovery deadlines. One 2019 study even estimated that the ESA has prevented the extinction of approximately 291 species since it was enacted. 
While the act doesn't necessarily mandate or encourage regular citizens to take part in active conservation action, it does set forth a precedent of responsibilities and rules important to maintain America's wildlife. This is needed now more than ever as the United States continues to face mass biodiversity loss. It's estimated that one-third of all U.S. species are at risk of extinction. The ESA has only so many resources to assess, list, and protect wildlife. One study found that it takes an average of 12 years for the ESA to officially list a species. Much of our wildlife don't have that kind of time. It's really up to everyone to play their part in curtailing species loss. First, rules and regulations for protected species should absolutely be followed. Be sure to respect habitats by cleaning up after yourself and leaving wild things in the wild, even getting to know what's in your own backyard and supporting wildlife like pollinating insects with the plants you grow can go a long way. Instilling a sense of appreciation for the natural world with your peers and family can do the same. Getting outside and getting inspired to protect the landscapes we have access to on public lands is a key way to invest in its future. This episode of America's National Parks was written by Dr. Charlotte Hacker and narrated by Abigail Trebu. Peter Sheehan is the editor, and I'm your host, Jason Epperson. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. And if you're new here, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes delivered to your feed. If you're looking for photos and tips about visiting national parks, check out our America's National Parks Facebook group. And if you're interested in RV travel, we hope you'll also check out our RV Miles podcast and YouTube channel. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. And by Campendium. Find listings and reviews for thousands of campsites for your next national park adventure at Campendium.com.